Welcome to Beyond Blathers, the podcast where we dive deeper into the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. I'm Sophia Osborne. And I'm Olivia DeBercier. And if you'd like to support the show while also getting some cute stickers and postcards, check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site. Okay, so this week we're finally talking about the oarfish, which I'm really excited about because I feel like it's really one of the coolest animals you can catch in the game, and it just looks so cool in the museum, so yeah, I'm really dying to learn more about them. Yeah, when I caught one, I was like, what the heck is this? This is so weird, but it looks great in the museum. Very aesthetic. Had you heard about oarfish before? I think I had, but I, I knew very, very little about them. Like, I just knew they were big, and I don't think if I had, like, seen one, I wouldn't have known, like, what it was called. Like, I would have been like, oh, yeah, that thing. Yeah, I think similar to some other species that are quite popular in the game, I hadn't heard of it before, but, mm-hmm. like, props to Animal Crossing for popularizing some really interesting animals. So, speaking of the museum... If you bring an oarfish to Blathers, he'll say, The oarfish is a long, eel-like fish that can supposedly reach up to 36 feet in length. They appear in various legends as things like messengers of the gods. It seems to me a creature like that could explain the myth of massive, ship-crushing sea serpents. It is, of course, well documented that people tend to exaggerate the size of the one that got away. Yeah, I find this so interesting. Like, I think it's really foreshadowing how mysterious oarfish are. Like, Blathers really doesn't have much to say specifically about them, and he's mostly talking about legend and myth. Yeah, I mean, and that's the same thing, though, for a lot of sort of the general facts you get about oarfish. There's not a lot that's concretely known, so often people spend a lot of time talking about the folklore associated with them, and also their appearance, which is really, really weird. So, I mean, as Blathers says, they are very long, And like an eel, they're laterally compressed, so they look a little bit like a ribbon, which is another name for them, ribbon fish. So if you've heard that name, it might be in reference to the oarfish. And they also have a bunch of other features that make them look very alien. They have incredibly big eyes. Their eyes are like the size of my fist, which for a fish is a decent size. They also have these really bizarre jaws that can extrude from their face and make their mouth 40 times larger. It looks like the vacuum cleaner from Teletubbies. Like, (laughs) those really big eyes and then this really long mouth. And, I mean, I haven't seen any photos of a living oarfish doing this. There's not a lot of living oarfish photos, but there's, like, scientific photos of a dissection where they've, like, pulled the jaw out so you can see just how far it extends. It's really, really weird. Now, they're also, in terms of their color, they've got a really nice shiny silver color, and they're very slimy, and that's because of a coat of guanine that covers their body. So some some say that when they touch the, the oarfish, like, if it's washed up on a beach or something, it's, like, glittery, like, body glitter. Probably doesn't smell great, but... Um, <laughs> I, apparently it's it's just very glittery and pretty. And interestingly, they don't have any scales. They have instead these bony protrusions along their body, which are called tubercles. So another just weird, like, is it a fish? Is it a worm? What is it? It's weird. It's bumpy and it's slimy. 
<laughs> but in terms of, I guess it's overall beauty. I, I do think it is a very beautiful fish because it's got this like red dorsal fin and it's a very thin fin, very thin on the top of their body. And it starts near the top of their head and goes all the way down to their tail. So it's a very elongated dorsal fin. And when they're swimming, that's the only part of their body that really moves. So unlike an eel, which swims in an S shape, it'll sort of have a straight body, but just the top of its body will will undulate, which gives it a very like UFO sort of like energy. That was a weird description, but like, you know, when like BBC Earth like shows you jellyfish and they're like, whoop, whoop, that's it. That's the, <laughs> that's my description. I hope that blessed your ears. It's <laughs> like an ASMR or fish sounds. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, but also, also on the top of their head, they have elongated fin rays and the fin rays are like sort of the bony part of a fin if you look at a fish. And those have elongated into a beautiful crest on the top of their heads that's also red. And I looked it up and I really couldn't find any indication of what the purpose of these fin rays are. I don't know if they're for display or if they're for like sensing water pressure changes or, you know, electric magnetic currents. I don't know. I don't know what they're for, but they're beautiful. And they also have on the sort of bottom side of their body near their head, they have, again, these long pelvic fins, which at the very end, there's like a little spoon shape. And it's thought that that's where they got their name, the oarfish, because it looks like they've got little oars on the side of their body. Again, though, not super sure what the purpose of these are either. <laughs> they don't seem very good at moving them around the water. So again, maybe they're for balance or something else entirely. Not really sure. And of course, most famously, they are very, very long. So they hold the Guinness Book of World Records record for the longest bony fish in the world with the longest ever found measuring up to 56 feet or 17 meters long. So really crazy long. They kind of average out more around 10 meters when they're found. But yeah, absolutely massive creatures. That's still so long. Wow. And so you said they're silvery with this red like ribbon on the top, basically. In the game, I mean, I feel like part of what makes them look so cool is that they're like this really like almost like electric-y blue with red and it's really beautiful. Do they appear blue in the water? I mean, I guess. A lot of the pictures have them in very dark waters, so it can be a little hard to tell. They do appear very sort of luminescent, so I think you can get like flashes of blue from them depending on the lighting. Like it reflects in really interesting ways off their body. Some people say they have like pink spots on them. So yeah, they have a bit of a variety of colors. Cool. I'm excited to see your illustration for this week. I'm a little stressed about how I'm going to do it. <laughs> it's a very <laughs> long animal. I'm like, oh, how do I make it fit? It'll just be like a line. It'll just be like a little silver line on the page. I won't even be able to see it. It'll be like, this is an oarfish from like a hundred meters away. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so you talked about just kind of how weird they are, and I guess they're similar to eels, but what are they? Like, are they related to eels? What kind of fish are we talking about here? So they're part of the family Lampriformes, and I'd never heard of this group of fish. Um, I don't recognize a lot of the common names of fish that are in this group. Overall, though, this group is typically open ocean and deep sea fish. So yeah, they're not ones that might be more well known to us. 
but uh, the word Lampreformes means it's shaped like the bright one, which I think is really cute. So that's the group they're a part of. Now, in terms of oarfish in general, there's three species that are sort of encapsulated in the word oarfish. There's two in the genus Regalacidae, and this includes the giant oarfish, which is mainly what we're talking about today, as well as the slender oarfish, which is another species in that group. And there's a third, which is in its own genus, and that one's called the streamer fish. So this is just as rare as the other two oarfish, but interestingly, it has been reported to have the ability to conduct electricity similar to an electric eel. So not quite as powerful perhaps, and maybe not with the same purpose, but very interesting nonetheless. And more research is needed to know just how and why the streamer fish does this. So again, more oarfish mystery. In general though, oarfish, there's not a lot known about them, even though humans have been aware of them for some time. Now, the first Western scientific description of an oarfish was in 1772, and many people, as Blathers said before, attribute the mythological image of a sea serpent to this fish, because they're long and sometimes brightly colored with giant eyes and a very undulating way of swimming really mysterious creatures. I'm sure if you were like in stormy weather and you saw one in the water, you would be like, this is a sorcerer. This is gonna eat us. I don't know. <laughs> if you just saw like a giant eye staring at you and just the silvery body, I can definitely see how it might haunt some sailors who've been a little bit scurvy ridden. Yeah. But <laughs> in Japanese folklore, it's also thought that the oarfish are harbingers of earthquakes, which is kind of an interesting piece of folklore. And in Scandinavia, they were called the king of the herrings because of sightings where the oarfish appeared to be leading little herring schools around, which I think is just adorable. Now, most of the time when we hear about them today in the media, it's because one has washed onto the shore. So often beachgoers in like California will find these massive, long, silver, slimy creatures. And so you'll get photos of like, you know, like 10 people lined up holding this big, heavy thing. And so that's a very common way that scientists get their specimens is from these ones that have washed ashore. So they spend most of their time in the deep sea, but then sometimes they come into shore? Now, oarfish are mainly deep sea fish. They'll sometimes come closer to the surface. And in general, they're found both in tropical and temperate waters around the world. So deep seas all over the place, um, except for like really, really cold waters. And in terms of depth, they'll usually stay like 100 to 1000 meters underwater, but they can vary within that water column. And at night, many deep sea creatures will come closer to the surface. So those are really good hours for scientists and those interested in filming or fish to go and search for them. Now, even then, if they're coming really close to the surface, usually it's because they've been pushed up there by currents or they're in some kind of distress. So any fish that are really close to the beach, those are probably dying, if not already dead. And often those found by the beach are missing like a huge chunk of their tail, which is really weird. Oh, is that from like encounters with ships, like being hit by ships or like from predators or? Initially, it was thought that maybe it was a predator had got to them, but those who looked closer at the tail noticed that it was really clean cut and it was mostly healed. And it's also at a place where the tail starts. So the oarfish has sort of like its head, its torso, and most of its body I guess, is like tail. And so they realized that similar to lizards and skinks and geckos, oarfish are able to self-amputate their tail in a process called autotomy, 
And for lizards, the way they do this normally is if they get grabbed by like a bird or something by the tail, they can release their tail, run away, and their tail will like twitch and writhe on the ground and distract the predator while they run away. So that's the normal purpose of autonomy. But yeah, so the reason for autonomy in oarfish doesn't necessarily make perfect sense because as far as we know, it doesn't seem like the oarfish is a really popular snack for most undersea critters and they taste really, really bad. Humans don't eat them. They're not pleasant to eat. So some scientists think that maybe oarfish drop their tails as a way of conserving energy. So the tail can take a lot of energy to maintain. So maybe it's a good way for an oarfish not to have to eat as much. You know, it's not as hard work to swim around. There's some thoughts around that. But another tricky thing is that researchers have found larval tapeworms inside of oarfish. So that might not seem super relevant to the tail problem, but the thing with tapeworms and with this particular species of tapeworm is that they depend on their original host being eaten by a shark for them to complete their life cycle. So they have to be ingested and then the tapeworm can like live the rest of its life in the shark. So maybe these tapeworms are there because oarfish do get eaten by sharks, in which case maybe the tail amputation is uh, a defense strategy. So if oarfish are being predated on, they don't really act like prey fish. Like think about if you were just like swimming in a lake or something and some minnows come near you. If you swim towards them, the minnows are gonna swim away pretty quickly. But in the case of oarfish, scuba divers, even massive submersibles that are really loud and clunky, they can get really close to oarfish and the oarfish don't really do anything. Sometimes they'll swim away, but most of the time they'll just kind of like chill and not do much, which is a really weird behavior for an animal that might get eaten by sharks. So yeah, more mystery there. I'd love to see an episode of Shark Week with like sharks versus oarfish. I want to see it too. I want to know what happens. Like, do they get eaten? Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't be surprised because they're, you know, those kind of huge creatures like sharks and sperm whales and stuff. They sometimes like to just take on a huge snack, like a giant squid or maybe an oarfish. I don't know. Yeah. So I know you said we don't know very much about the oarfish. Like, that's been the theme of this (laughs) episode. But do we know what they eat? Like a lot of the biggest things in the ocean, they're filter feeders. So they don't really have teeth. Instead, they've got these things called gill rakers, which are kind of like arcs in their throat by their gills that have little comb-like protrusions that stick out and they help catch a whole bunch of really tiny stuff like plankton and krill and tiny crustaceans that are in the water. So as the water goes through their gills, all that stuff is getting caught. It's a little bit like having a net in your mouth. (laughs) So they have that to get all their food. And to find their food, the oarfish swims in, I think the weirdest way I've ever seen a fish swim. I don't don't know even if you can call it swimming. They like hang out in like an upright position. So their head is facing up and their tail is pointing down. They'll stay really, really motionless too. Like they'll just sort of undulate their, their upper fin. It's thought that they do this so that they can see the outline of their prey against the light coming down from the surface. So even though it's really dark, maybe this is a way that they're able to track down their prey. It's very, very interesting. They also don't have a swim bladder, which is something that most fish have to control their buoyancy and 
where they sit in the water column. So it's possible this helps them as well to sort of migrate up and down that water column quite easily. Wow, yeah, that would be so cool to see if you were a diver or you're in a submarine or something, like just this huge, like 30 foot long oar fish that's all like silvery, just hanging there, like a huge pillar. Yeah, it was it was very like majestic looking. I was watching a <laughs> I was watching river monsters because I searched up oarfish videos and of course the river monsters thing shows up and I was like, okay, I'll watch this. And the scuba divers found them, but they were being so annoying. They were like poking the oarfish. And first of all, I was amazed. I was like, wow, this thing doesn't move. But also I'm like, why are you, stop poking the oarfish. The guy's like, I'm going to touch it. And he touches it and it doesn't do anything. He's like, whoa, <laughs> I touched it. And then there's like dramatic music in the background. Congrats, dude. <laughs> Great job, buddy. You did it. You caused it undue stress. <laughs> wow. Yeah, I mean, I know when it was quite a while ago that we did the giant isopod, actually, but that's another sort of deep sea creature. And I know it's really hard to say in terms of conservation how they're doing and everything, but do you have any idea about that? I know you said they don't they don't taste good, so I assume that we're not like fishing for them. Yeah, people definitely aren't fishing for them, but they do get caught in bycatch so they can be found that way too so again overfishing still going to impact them most likely because you're kind of fishing indiscriminately so that's that's probably a problem for them but we can't say for sure for like pretty much everything for pretty much everything in the ocean so many mysteries so much unknown well that's so cool i mean it's fun to have the oarfish illuminated a little bit and kind of find out more about what they're actually like in the wild of the deep sea yeah I think that would be a really neat thing to go out there and and look for. Just knowing that there's something that exists that's just hovering there in the water, in the dark. I like thinking about that. (laughs) Yeah, really cool. Well, thank you so much for that. And thanks everyone so much for listening. If you're a new listener, don't forget to subscribe and follow us at Beyond Blathers on Instagram and Twitter. And if you'd like to support the show, check out our merch store at beyondblathers.square.site. Tune in next week to learn more about the insects, fish, and fossils you can find in Animal Crossing New Horizons. Bye! Bye!